This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, well, I'll read it to you from inside. So the nation saw that Moshe Rabbeinu was delayed from coming down from the mountain. Okay, what happened? He went up. They expected him to come down at a certain... Okay. Um, they expected him to come down at a certain time. He was late. He was late. They thought he was late. He really wasn't late. Okay. Vayakal Amal Aaron. So the Erev Rav, the nation, gathered on Aaron. Vayom Re'elov, they said, Come, get up. Make for us an Avoy de Zara. That's going to lead us. Kizeh Moshe. Very weird word, right? It should say, because Moshe, who took us out of Mitzrayim, we don't know what happened to him. What is Kizeh? Because this Moshe, what, he's not there. Moshe's not there. They're waiting for him to come down. So what does it mean, because of this Moshe? What, he must be pointing at Moshe, right? But he's not there. So what's this word Kizeh Moshe? So it bothers Rashi. What is the word Kizeh Moshe, this Moshe? There is no Moshe, he's not there. So Rashi says they were pointing to Shemayim. That the Satan created a demus, a mirage, that it looked like Moshe was, that he was being carried on a, on a funeral bier, it's B-I-E-R, uh, like a stretcher, and he was in his, um, his uh, uh, what's it called, clothing, that he, that he passed away, right? So... So they pointed to Shemayim and they said, who took We don't know what happened to him. So Rashi says they thought he was they thought him flying. So the question is, if they if if Rashi says that they, they were pointing to Shemayim and he was flying on a stretcher, so what do you mean we don't know what happened to him? You do know what happened to him. The reason you think he's dead is because he's on a stretcher in his in his tachrichim. So what do you mean you don't know what happened to him? They should have said that Moshe, he's dead. We need a new leader. This whole pasuk makes no sense. So Rashi says that they were pointing. What does this mean? So in Pashas Bereishis, I don't have a chumash here, but in Pashas Bereishis, at the end of Pashas Bereishis, there was someone named Chanoch. And Chanoch went in the ways of Hashem, the Pasuk says. Chanoch went in the ways of Hashem. He only lived 365 years. Everybody was living 900, 800, 960, 950. Chanoch only lived 365 years. That's it. And he died. Why? Ki Hashem. Because he went in the ways of Hashem. And then all of a sudden it says, Einenu. He disappeared. Ki Because Hashem took him. So every other person that died in that, those ten generations, it says they lived nine hundred by Yamas, and he died by Chanoch. Doesn't say he died. It says Einenu, he disappeared because Hashem took him. That doesn't mean he died. So the Medrash says it's an interesting Medrash. I had a little question I never really understood. Like Hashem took away his bechira. The reason Hashem took him at three hundred sixty-five, everybody else was everybody else was Rishon. Everyone was bad. Hanoch was a tzaddik. Hashem didn't want him to become a Russia. 
So he 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 took him away, he, he killed he he took him out of the took him off the earth before he could do bad. But he doesn't do that with us. Like why didn't have the here to fall? By the way, it's not true. It's not true because Hashem does it with us. Sometimes Itaka takes a person away from the world because he doesn't want him to fall. He, he reached such a high level, Hashem doesn't want him to fall. He knows the higher you go, the bigger the Yetzirah is. So the Mevir says that Hanoch didn't die. But Hashem took him to the next world. And what happened to Hanoch? Anyone here know? It was worth $500 in my seminary this week. I said, if they know what happened, if they know who he was, and if they know what, what happened to him when Hashem took him to the next world, and then when I realized nobody knew it, they gave him a little bit hint. I told him it was Hanoch. What happened to him? Hashem turned him into an angel. And what angel did he turn him into? Mitatro. Miriam would have made up 500 bucks. He would have made 500 bucks, but you're not in seminary. So Matatro, Matatro is a very important Malach in Shemayim. He takes all the tools of Klaistro. Interesting, it brings in the Kavayosha that Hashem waits till what's the last, what's, I guess, what's the last chakras in the world? Probably California. Right? California is probably the last chakras in the world. The first chakras is probably China. It's a day ahead of us. Right? So like Tuesday on China, it's a day ahead of us. So I think the last chakras must be California. There's nothing that's three out, there's nothing more that's behind us than three hours. The things that are ahead of us, seven hours or five hours. So California is probably the last every Shachas Milchem It says that Matatra, that, that he waits until the last Tfilah Shachas of the whole world, gathers all the Tfilos, brings it up to Hashem, and makes a cram from it. So it's like a very big malach. So the Jews knew about Hanoch. So they said that, okay, we see that Moshe's flying in Shemayim, but we don't know what Hashem's going to do with him. Maybe he's going to turn him into a malach. So they said, we don't know. Mayasala. We don't know. In fact, I think it's, I think it's in a lot. Mehoyaloi. What's going to be with him? Right? So they didn't, they weren't sure what's going to happen with Moshe Rabbeinu. But Yoimalayim Aaron. Now Aaron had to delay them. He didn't want to make an Avay Dezara. So he had to delay them. So what did he tell them? Listen to this. This is very fascinating. Parku Nizmeh Hazav. He said, to the men that came and said, we want to make an Avayi Zara, he said, take the earrings, the gold earrings, take your wife's gold earrings. This is very surprising. And your son's earrings. So it means that the Torah is telling us that the boys in those days were wearing earrings. It's not like a chazal. If the Torah says, Tell your wives, take your wives' earrings and take your son's earrings, Uvno Sechem, and take your daughter's earrings. So Aaron Akwain says, Bring me all the earrings, we'll make an Avoy Zara. Now, why did, why did Aaron Akwain say that? Because Aaron Akwain knew something about the ladies that some of you don't know. He says the following. Why did he say that? Go to your wives. And take their earrings. Omar Aaron lehem dava kasha. Aaron said something very hard. He knew that. Shahanashim misakvois by the women didn't give it to their husbands. Shehem roll kol anisim vagvuros because the women saw all the miracles and all the gavuros. Shehasa kadosh baruch hu b'mitzrayim that Hashem did in mitzrayim. Bayam in the in the ocean uvasinai 
and Hasinai. Therefore, when they went to the women, they stood up and they said, The women said, that we should be like you guys and be kaifer God. Why? What, what, what bothered the women? Why not? The guys were willing to do it. So why weren't the, willing, the women willing to do it? So the Medrash Rabbah says, The women had Akar Satov. And they said, God did all these miracles for us in Mitzrayim, by the Yam, by Harsinai. The Nasa Avoidazara, we should be a Kafli Tov, we should be an ingrate, and we should make an Avoidazara, you're not getting my earrings. And they didn't give it to him. So the next passage says that the men took their earrings out. The men took their earrings out. They brought it to Aaron. So it seems to be that female and male, in the time of the, of this time, everybody was wearing earrings. Like Sinbad the Sailor, those big earrings. So I looked it up. I was like, what's going on? The Torah says that men are not allowed to wear women's clothing. Why don't men wear earrings today? Okay, most men that are not religious Jews do wear earrings today. But why do, why do religious Jew, Jewish men don't wear earrings? And the answer is because we're not allowed to wear the clothing of a woman. Rav Chaim takes your watch away when you go to him. Rav Chaim Kainevsky. He says, a watch is a, like jewelry. He says, you can have a pocket watch. In the old days, they had this watch with a gold chain, and a pocket watch, and you opened it up, and it was very, it was, it was very class. Right, so that's the question. So there's, there's men, there's men rings too. It's a big thing about wearing a ring. Right? So there are men that wear rings. It doesn't mean they're not religious. Or my principal in the yeshiva where I taught wore a ring. He was a very firm religious man. And there are men that wear, um, from their college, they have those, like, uh, gold rings with, like, uh, a ruby or something else in it. So, it's modern, but it doesn't mean you're not from. So why do they wear it? Because a man's ring is a very thin one, and a woman's ring, it's a different, it's a man's ring. So that, that's the question of, you know, but, um, so today they'll tell you that there's, that there's, you know, men earrings. I don't know, there aren't, but whatever. So, so, well, so I looked it up, and it brings down, that in Mitzrayim, the men also wore earrings, and Klai Yisrael was still didn't wasn't completely till they went into Eretz Yisrael. They didn't completely change. So, and this was also you have to understand who these guys were. This wasn't regular Bnei Yisrael. This was the Erev Rav. The Erev Rav were Goyim, were Egyptians who joined the Jewish nation because we won, but they weren't inside. They were not inside the clouds. They were outside the clouds. They didn't get mon either. It was a whole thing. When the Jews left Eretz Yisrael, Mitzrayim, so the Erev tagged along. They were like, you know, that's the, the ones that go with the team that wins all the time. You know, they keep changing. So, so Hashem said to Moshe, don't take them. You don't take them. You're going to have a problem with that. Moshe said, how can I not take them? They want to come along. How can I not take them? So this was sort of Moshe's Hevra. That he thought he would be able to change and he would be able to. So these were all the Erev So the Erev was still wearing earrings because they were Egyptians and they were used to it their whole lives that they were wearing. I saw it in a different medrash. So these weren't the Jewish people. But, that's not the Pasha Pshat, because then if it's not the so who were these women? The, the, the wives of the Erev Rav? They weren't Jews, they were also came from Mitzrayim. So, 
the way we learn it is ha'am means erevra, but the way that you should just learn Pasha Pshat in the Torah, it, it, so, so it says that the women had akar satov. The women said, not because I deserve this and the other thing, at that point they said, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. So they had akar satov. But then it goes further. And it says that when they went to the women, they didn't want to give their jewelry. They said to their husbands, We should listen to you and make a shagitz, a disgusting avoidant. Now, this was logical. I had a whole thing last night in my boy share, because I said that women are emotional. They're much more emotional than men, but they're also much more logical than men. They're like, what are you talking about? My wife's not logical. My wife, I said, the word is not logical. The word is grounded. They are. Women are much more grounded. It's like, okay, let's go on vacation. Let's go here. Let's go there. And the wife's like, uh, we didn't pay our bills. We don't have money. Like, what are you talking about? We used a credit card. But the credit card's not for these kind of things. You know, every time a guy wants to go cuckoo, his wife's like, hello, calm down, you know? You want to buy this house? We don't have the money for that. So the, the woman is much more grounded much more grounded than the men. And the Gemara says that when it comes to three things, you have to listen to your wife. It doesn't, you have to listen to your wife all the time. But what it, what it means is there's three things that when she says that doesn't make any sense. If that's only three things, that's pretty good, right? So I'm, I'm just kidding. But there's three things if she doesn't make any sense, you have to listen to her anyway. The Gemara says how to make a living, who your friends are, and where you live. Right? You come home, I would be, I would not have to work, my children wouldn't have to work, and my grandchildren wouldn't have to work if I listened to my wife. When I first got married, I was in business, and I made a lot of money, so I went into the stock market. And I studied it, and I watched it, and I understood it, and I could have even, I could have gotten a license to be a stockbroker. I knew it inside out. And my one day my wife says, like, I don't think you should be buying this stock. I'm like, Esty, what do you know about stocks? Go, go back to what you do. So what you, you know, I worked hard. I'm studying. You're not in the finance part of this. Like, where you have an MBA? Like, what? What? Where is this coming from? Right? She's like, I'm telling you, go to real, go, take the money and put it in real estate. That was 37 years ago. Anything I would have bought is worth 500 times more. But I didn't listen, and I lost money, and I lost money, and I lost. She kept saying, "Don't go in the stock market. Don't go." And I didn't listen to her. Why? Because what does she know about the stock market, right? So the answer is, it's intuition. If she knows, which if it's logical, what she's saying then it's not intuition. If it doesn't make any sense, friend, you come home, you come home and you're like, oh, Esther, I just met this guy in shul. We're best friends. One Shabbos we met, right? We're best friends. He's a great guy. Everybody loves him. Oh my gosh, he's fantastic. He does chesed. He does mitzvahs. He, 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 what's it called? He's great in business. Wow. My wife's like, okay. You know what? Invite them for Shabbos. Let's meet them. You know, and he comes over for Shabbos and, and he's like, Naya, and then at Matthew Shabbos, you know, he leave, they leave, and, and my wife's like, I don't like him. I don't trust him. I'm telling you, there's something shady about this guy. I'm like, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? You know, I don't talk about your friends. I'm not talking about my friends. What do you know about anybody? What do you have to do with him? Well, come on. He said a couple of vatoiras. He was funny. I know. I, I can't tell you what it is. I'm just telling you. I don't trust this guy. Two years later, he beats the whole shul. He gets everyone into a Ponzi scheme, and he rips off everyone. Intuition. Intuition of a woman. Same thing when you buy a house. It doesn't have to make sense. In other words, 
If you're saying he said something bad and that's why I don't like him, so that's not intuition. Right? You go to buy a house. You know, a guy wants certain things in a house. You know, not the most important things. He doesn't care about the kitchen. He, you know, he doesn't care about, you know, he cares about his rec room, you know, where, where he's gonna relax. That's the most important thing. Like guys have their own ideas what they, you know. So you go into this house and you're like all excited and the real estate person's showing you around and you're like, wow. This is great. I'm going to buy this. I want this house. And you know, and then you walk out and you're like, new, new, new. We should put a deposit. No, she's like, it gives me the creeps. It gives you the creeps. It's a gorgeous, beautiful house. What do you mean? I don't know. There's something about bad karma. There's something bad in this house. And you're like, what are you talking about? This is the 50th house we looked at. What are you talking about? The Gemara says, listen to her. Listen to her. Because women have that special bina when it doesn't make sense. And those three things. What? Somebody asked me that last. I don't know if it's Kedushin or Ingit and what? You didn't buy the house. You listened to your wife. Oh, the house I bought? What? Nothing. Nothing. That's, if there's something wrong, so you're like, okay, so tell me what's wrong. Like, tell, I don't know. I just have a bad feeling. When a woman tells you I have a bad feeling, Gamora says it's called intuition. It's a different bina. Especially if it doesn't make any sense. There's no reason, right? If she does that with every house and every friend and every business you go into, so then you don't have to listen. That's, we're not talking about that. We're talking about where normally she doesn't get involved in your business. And all you're talking to your friend and she's listening and you're like, we're going to buy this piece of real estate in, in Arkansas and I saw it and it's so cheap. And she's like, Arkansas? I, I don't think you should buy a, what do you, what do you know about Arkansas? Like, what do we, who, who, what? She's like, I don't know. The minute I heard Arkansas, I'm like, buy something in New York. Don't buy something in Arkansas. The Gilmore says, I, I'm sorry I didn't look it up because the boys asked me last week, last, yo, you want to know where it is so that you can show your husband. They want to know, they want to know that it doesn't exist. You know, it doesn't really exist, Rebbe, but it's a Gemara. I might admit to him next week, I'll, I'll tell you where the Gemara is. So here, it's sort of also like an intuition because they're, they're like, they're coming and they're like, they're making logical sense. Moshe's dead. We have no messenger. We needed someone in between us and Hashem. And they're like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's an Avoy de Zara. It's, 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 and this is what they said. It can't help us. So, what are you doing? Get, you know, don't do it. Of course, they didn't listen. They did it anyway. And he says that the, the, I don't understand what this means. God rewards women for this in this world. They keep Chodesh more than men, which is true. I never learned the dinam of what women, but you're not allowed to sew on Rosh Chodesh, I think. There's a bunch of different laws about do laundry, right. So men don't do that anyway, but, 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 no, so it's, they keep Rosh Chodesh. And then this is what I didn't understand. And they're going to get a special reward in the next world. Shehein asidos lehischadesh b'roshei chadashim kilavana. They will become new on Rosh Chodesh like the moon. Know what that means? Okay, but anyway, so right away the men, right away they took off their their earrings and they they threw it in, and we know what came out. An eagle came out. So here's a beautiful vote that I saw on Moshe Rabbeinu. You want to strive to become an unbelievable person? Listen to, listen to this. So Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from the Egel, and he says to the Jews, 
they're partying, they're dancing, they're right, they were dancing, they had music. It was a big party. It wasn't the Avoid Zorah that bothered him. It was the dancing that bothered him and the music that bothered him. What are you making a, a right, so he comes down and he says to them, What are you guys doing? Why did you why did you make an egg? And they're like, oh, Moshe, we saw in Shemayim you were on the stretcher and you were in Tachrichim and you were dead and we thought it was over that we're never going to see you again and that you died so we decided, we panicked we decided to make an Avodah excuse me so the reason you made this Egel is because you thought I was dead so you're dancing and partying and drinking wine and having music like if you thought I was dead why aren't you sitting Shiva your leader who took you out of a tribe who did everything so if you really, if that's the reason, and you thought I was dead, you guys should have been lay, sitting on the floor with ash on your head, ripped shirts, and crying. You were partying that I was dead. And then Hashem says, okay, let's destroy Klai Yisrael. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, if you touch them, if you destroy them, then you, I, if they go, I go. Could you imagine that level? The Jews that were partying that he was dead, Moshe Rabbeinu said, if you, if you hurt them, then you have to hurt me. It's the level of a leader. They insulted him, they heard him, they danced, they didn't sit one minute shiva. They didn't sit on the floor for one second, they went right away and partied. Oh, he's dead? You know, long live the Egel. And then, when Hashem said, any other person would have said, kill them? They deserve to die. They're not my people. They were happy. I, de- I died. No, Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu said, and a chutzpah, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, if you hurt them, then you have to wipe me out. You don't have Shemos, Vayikra, Bamid, Bo'udvarim, because I'm in all of those books. You don't have Chamisha, Chumshetariah. If you hurt them, and Hashem listened to him, because he was on such a level, he was so tested. If one thing, if people love you, you put your life on, on for them. But these people were partying that he wasn't alive. That's what people, that's what we have to strive for in our middos. What do you mean I should be nice to her? Rabbi Walton, she hurt me. What should I be nice to her for? Look at what Moshe Rabbeinu. Not only he was nice to them, he put his life on the line for them. Okay. Now this week's parsha, it talks about Vayakel, when Truma, Tetzava, Truma talks about the Mishkan, Tetzava talks about the, the clothing of the Kohen Gadol. Vayakel talks about the making of the Mishkan. Truma is the blueprints, Vayakel is the making, right? So it says the following. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, I need people to bring me gold, purple wool, blue wool, silver, copper, right? All the different things I need to build a Mishkan. Okay? They all came. Now it's a very, also a very hard passage to understand. And the men came on the women. Piggyback. Like what? What's going on over here? Right? All the people who wanted to give, they brought chach, venezem, and tabas, v'chumas, all kinds of different earrings, nose rings, all kinds of uh, finger rings, all kinds of different pe- jewelry, kolklizav, made out of gold. Fine. So Rashi says, that doesn't make sense. The men came on the women. Al hanashim, im hanashim. They came with the women. Usmoichem aleihem. Interesting Rashi. And they were, they came together. Okay, they, what it means is that they came together. Listen to this medrash. Tanchuma. Dava Acher. Kishabah Moshe Ba'amal Yisrael. When Moshe said to the Bnei Yisrael, 
kichot truma, right? Smachu simcha gedayla. They became very happy because they knew that if they're building a mishkan, that Hashem forgave them for the ego. If you're building Hashem's house, it means you forgave him, right? Right? They brought it with happiness. The men pushed the women and the women pushed the men. They came together. No, it wasn't like the husband said, like, I don't really want to give it, right? The, the wife pushed him. He pushed the wife. And between the two of them, she gave his jewelry, he gave his jewelry, she gave her jewelry, right? And they brought this to the Dava. Malame, we learn. That the women brought their stuff to the Mishkan before the men. The men came afterwards. Now, I did not know this. This is a crazy chiddush. What I'm about to tell you. I did not know this. All the years of learning, I never saw this. Lefichach, therefore, Zachu Nashim, the women, Shal Dar, of that generation, which was the generation of the 40 years in, in the desert. She'elu nichnechu le'aretz ve'elu lo'y nichnesu. The women did not die in the Midbar. I did not know that. It says that the whole generation in the Midbar, because they sent the Maraglim, so everyone who was over 20 died. So all the people that came into Eretz Yisrael were kids, right, that, that, that were not, not, not adults when they left Mitzrayim. But according to the Medrash Rabbi here, because the women were Magdimim, and because the women did not give their jewelry, they went into Eretz Yisrael. So all their husbands died. They all went in as widows. All their husbands died. But according to this Medrash, not one woman died in the, in the Midbar. They all went into Eretz Yisrael. Where the men were all punished, the women were not. I, I, it's the first time I ever saw that. I thought the whole door died. It's not, no, according to this, they did not die. They didn't give the ego. They didn't give when they weren't supposed to, and they were the first when they were supposed to. No? Is everyone in the room like that? Are we all like that? We're the first to give? And we're the ones who tell everyone not to do the wrong things? Right? We tell our husbands, put away that tablet, put away that iPhone. Or does your husband have to tell you, put away the tablet and put away the iPhone? That wasn't the women in, that were living at that time. Just the opposite. Not Chatsham, no one here. I'm not talking about anyone here. All right. So anyway, that's um, Pasha Shashavua. A little bit about, um, we're going to little, talk a little bit about Megillus Esther. But before we do that, I hope to connect it. Um, Miriam, if you could do a huge favor, Chumash. Is there a Chumash in this room behind me? Maybe with, with Megillus, is there a Chumash with Megillus Esther? Or maybe over there on the other side. If there's a Chumash, no, no one's carrying like a Megillus Esther with you, like. No, not yet. It's too early. What? Yeah, okay, now. We'll get, we'll get a chumash. If not, yes. You have a chumash? Wow, bring it up. Unbelievable. We have a Megillah. I just need a Megillah. Fantastic. She's, oh, she has it on the phone also. Okay. Oh, all right. I have no idea how to move it, so. What? I need more than one line. Okay, we'll use the phone. Thank you. What? Just move it up and down. Yeah, move it up and down. Okay, thank you. Fantastic. Beautiful. 
Oh, I'm going to get all these emails. You see, you needed to use a smartphone. <laughs> all right. Well, if you get a phone call in the middle, I lose everything, right? No. Oh, too bad. <laughs> then I could talk about that. All right. So we have to go all the way to Esther and Malka. Okay, here we go. Something very beautiful. And then I'll tell you, my, I'll end off with a, something that I had a, a huge vikuach this week with um, a very interesting atheist. Very interesting story. Okay. So everyone knows, I talked about this, and we'll talk about it again probably a little bit, but I, I, I talk about this a lot, that Esther Amalka, she, um, she lost both her parents, and she was the only one that could take down Haman, because Haman was there in the schus of Esav, and Esav's schus was was um, was kibbutz of aim, and she didn't have any parents, so she was perfect in kibbutz of aim. She never aggravated them, and she she had machshava every day. She cried to Hashem that she doesn't have parents because she wanted to do kibbutz of aim. Um, so she was the only one that could really pull this off. And and um, Mordechai said to her that if you don't, if you if you don't step up, if you don't use your pain and the stuff that you went through for gain. Right? You don't step up for Klaistral. You and your parents are lost because the only reason you lost your parents, she was born without parents, her mother died at childbirth, her father died when she, her mother was three months pregnant, was in order to, we talk about this every year, was in order to destroy Haman. What's the reward? What's the reward? When someone's willing to put their life on the line for Klaistral. So I just saw and a Medrash Rabbah that says the following so this is un- unbelievable so it says that no not this is unbelievable what I'm about to say is unbelievable this is not unbelievable this is not unbelievable what's written in the Megillah's Esther is unbelievable we have to be very clear this is unbelievable alright it's a very learning disabled film there's nothing smart about it Okay, it says the following. So, every time, every time in the Megillah that it just says the word Melech, it means Hashem. It says HaMelech HaChashverosh, it means HaChashverosh. So the Zoyer says the following. And we're going to, I'll bring it next week, we'll learn an insight, because it's what day, what was the third day of what, but it says the following. Ashlishi was the third day. Tilbash Esther Malchus. What should it say, ladies? It says that Esther put on Malchus. What, what should have it said? Big day Malchus. She put on royal clothing. It doesn't say clothing. So she put on royalty. Not clothing. But really what it should say is she put on royal clothing. But it doesn't say, it doesn't say the word big day. It says the word Malchus. So she put on Malchus. Okay? What does that mean? It means Sneus. But not Sneus in only the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you act. And Malchus is when someone's ready to give up their life for Malchus, for Akash Baruch Hu. So this is what she came to Akash Baruch Hu with. She was at Snua. And she's willing to get up her life for Klai Yisrael. So that was her 
Big day Malchus doesn't say the word big day. And she stood in the inner chamber of God. There's outer chambers, there's further chambers, and there's an inner chamber. And God Hashem was sitting on his kise akavod. The base malchus in Shemayim in his malchus. Leichach pesach habayis opposite the door. Vayhi kiroyis hamelachas Esther hamalka. When Hashem saw Esther hamalka omedes bechatzer standing in his chatzer in his courtyard, nosachin ve'enov. She found favor in his eyes. Why did she find favor in his eyes? Because she came to his courtyard to argue to save Klai Yisrael. Next week we'll learn the Kabbalistic thing, what that means. He put out a, um, a gold scepter, what that means exactly in the other world, we don't know. She came close and he touched her head with it. What, not, not what do you want? Maloch is like, what's going on with you? What's up to what, how would you, what's the exact translation of Lach to you? Malach. What's going on with you? Or what can I do? I don't know. I have to, I don't, I have to, I have to look up in the article. Don't, don't give me, don't send me another uh, iPhone. But we'll look at what that word means exactly. What do you want? What is your bakasha? I'll give you up to half the malchus. Right? What, what half of Malchus? There's two, there's, there's the up world, there's Shemaim and there's Aretz. Hashem said, I'll give you the whole Aretz. The whole world. This world. It's all yours. What do you want? Wow. <laughs> right? We're talking about the Melech. We're talking about a Kurdish Baruch. The answer is that a person who's willing to give up their life for another Jew, Kimamish, the world belongs to them. The whole world belongs to them. And this is what, what was really happening. And what Mordechai was saying, that you need to go in front of Hashem. You! You lost your parents. You went through all the pain of them not being at PTA. You lost all the pain of being adopted. You have to go up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if you do, and she said, maybe not. Maybe Klai doesn't deserve to be saved. And Tevedu, Tevedu. If I'm lost, I'm lost. I'm going to do my best. If I'm lost, I'm lost. And that's Mesiras Nefesh. Now, on the opposite side of the spectrum, so there's a guy who's married. He was a Chesidah boy. You can have your phone back. Um, he was a Chesidah boy. Nice phone. What is that, a battery? Oh, it's not a battery pad. Okay. It is a battery. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, he has two children and a wife and he's married a bunch of years and he decided to become an atheist. So the family is, of course, extremely upset. Uh, he doesn't keep anything anymore. He doesn't, you know, he changed the way he looks. He, he, he goes to places he shouldn't go. He does things he shouldn't do. So they asked me if I could speak to him. Okay. I don't know, I must have something else that says atheist buster, whatever. So, he comes to sit down, you have to hear the story. He comes to sit down, 
He says, ah, how are you, Rabbi Wallerston? I'm like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? He sits down. You already see he's got the, got the moves. He's got, you know. He's like, I says, so you hear you don't believe in God? He goes, no, I do believe in God. I'm like, wow. I had this whole speech for you. He goes, no, not the same God you believe in, he tells me. I'm like, oh. So I'm thinking, maybe a different religion. I said, like, what God do you believe in? You Trust me, you never heard this before. I said, what God do you believe in? He goes, Rabbi, what did your God do? You claim your God created the world, right? Created the world. So what does a God do in your... And I know he's footsteps, and I know that he's taught. He's repeating what he's taught. He's not thinking about this stuff. He's just repeating what he thought. He said, so your God is a creator, and he created a world. He says, my God is also a creator and is creating a world. I'm like, who's your God? He goes, me. <laughs> I said, your God? He goes, yeah. I'm like, I got a whole list of stuff I need to give you. <laughs> I, said, what? I said, what do you mean? So this is what he said. He said, I'm creating my world. I do what I want. God did what he wanted, right? Your God, I don't believe in him. I do what I want, whatever I want, whenever I want. I said, so, so who created the world? The world that we're walking in. He goes, it's random. The world is random. It just happened. I'm like, isn't that great walking around the world thinking you just happened? I said, so you're telling me that, and this is what they believe. I said, you're telling me that nothing in this world has a reason? That's right. Nothing in this world has a reason. It's just random. Two molecules, two neurons, two neutrons. Everything just happens out of randomness. Didn't you read this guy's book and that guy's book and this uh, this guy's book and this, uh, what's it called, um, physicist and this and that. And he starts naming all these brilliant guys, whatever it is. And I'm like, I, I got to ask you something. But it's going to get a lot worse. Hang on. I said, I got to ask you something. How do you how do you live in a world that has no reason? I said, the guy next door has a bigger house than you. The guy next door has more money than you. The guy next door is married. You're not married. He has kids. You don't have kids. Like, if it's just random, like, don't you beat yourself up that you have such bad luck? It has no reason. I said, the only way I can deal with my life is because I believe that my father, when he died, he died very young. I believe that there was a reason, and Hashem, and there's a Gilgal, and there's a Tikkun, and every single thing has a Shkach and I don't stub my foot or hurt myself, or anything happened to me without a reason, because if it has no reason, then I'm just unlucky. Who wants to think that your whole life, all you do, all you are is unlucky? That's crazy. How do you live in such a world? How, how do you lose somebody in life? How do you go through pain? You're sick, right? If a person gets sick, like, oh my gosh, there's no reason for me to be sick. I'm just sick because, randomly, I don't have such good luck. So I said, so when you're in pain, kill yourself. Because you're in pain, why do we need to be in pain? If I have no reason to be here, and I'm not doing anything here, I just happen to be here, so check out. What if to suffer? So how do you live such a life? How does a person live a life that just everything has no reason? I said, just the opposite. The more reason, the more I can deal with it. I can't deal with no reason, with, you know, with just randomness.
So I said, what about relationships? Like your kids. You ready for this? I said, this is how far a person can go when you're, when you're off. I said, your children, they're random? He says, absolutely. I said, do you love them? No. He said, a guy and a girl got together and made a child. That's the way this random world works. He said, let me ask you something, Rabbi Wallerstein. If, you're, if, you're, if you build a car, if you build a house, right, and then you sell it, you love the house? You build a car, you work for GM, you love the car? A guy and a girl, they, they made a bit. I said, so you don't expect your children to have any relationship with you when they grow up? He says, absolutely not. They're not really my children. I produced them, but they're not my children. They don't, and this is very big footsteps. This is very big, this whole chevra. They're like, they don't owe me anything. See, that's the problem with you guys, is telling me. You think because you have children, you own them. So you can tell them, keep Shabbos, you can tell them what to wear. They're not yours. You just produced them. You're a production, you're a factory. You're a factory. No connection. I said, so, so, like, when you, later on in life, like, you're not gonna have anything to do with them? He said, no. I said, what about supporting them? He says, why do I have to support them? I said, well, well, what about your wife? He says, my wife? I met her. If she goes along with what I'm doing, fine. If not, I'll meet someone else. Life is random. You don't seem to understand the concept, Brother Wallstein. You don't understand. It's random. You meet a girl, you marry her, you have a couple of kids, you meet another girl, if you don't like her, you go to another one. This is, this is not a, a stupid guy. This is all, there are thousands of them, and women too, in this whole atheist approach, because, because they have to get rid of Hashem. And if there's no Hashem, then everything is random. If there is no God, then stuff just happens. Could you imagine living in a world Somebody that's very close to you, God forbid, passes away, and in your head it's like there was no reason for it. They just were out of luck. How would you deal with that? How would you deal with even something that's a simcha, something that's good, that just happened? That there was no cheshbin? So they got rid of Hashem because they want to be able to do mamish with... I I never heard it to that point that my child... I'm not connected to him at all. I had him. So what? So you built a house. It's your house. He says, there are people who build apartments. They build 2,000 apartments. So it's, you can tell the person in the apartment what they should do or not. You built the apartment. He says, I can tell my kid what to do. I don't owe my kid. My father doesn't owe me. My father can't tell me what to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. This is what's going on in the world. And then he says to me, you know, you're smart, Rabbi, but you're not that smart. There are physicists with IQs of 185 who everyone says they're totally on the genius, brilliant level that wrote books proving that there is no God. I said, really? I said, you know why they wrote those books? I said, because they can't handle. Because if they're brilliant, randomly, born, born brilliantly, so that's amazing. Randomly, I'm much smarter than you. But if there's a Hashem that made me smart, so I didn't do anything. Hashem gets the credit. These guys are so smart, 
They don't want to give anyone else the credit. So they're like, no, I am who I am because I made myself who I am. The minute there's a God, so yeah, stupid people are not atheists. It's the smart ones that want to get rid of God. <coughs> and they're smart. And they need to figure out how to get rid of Hashem because if they get rid of Hashem, first of all, everything's random. And second of all, if they get rid of Hashem, he gets no credit for nothing. If he gets no credit for nothing, then anything I have, my money, whatever I own, whatever I do, my intelligence, it's all mine. And that explains the Gemara. The Gemara says, Taif should be right from the Gehenna. I have friends that are doctors. They don't like that Gemara. It says, the good doctors will go to hell. That's the Gemara says. The bad doctors should go to hell. The good doctors should go to Gehenna. So the Gemara explains Chazal, the guy who's a great doctor, the guy who sits there all day, and he's doing a open heart on a baby that's five days old, and the heart is this big, and he's able to do surgery, right? There's a guy, Dr. Q, in Columbia University. Every single day, he's doing on little teeny babies. Their hearts are this big. He's doing the craziest surgery. He's building hearts. It's crazy. I met him. He's an older guy. And I said to him, I want to shake your hand. And he put out his hand and I said, I want to give you a blessing. And he's, I think he is an atheist. And I said, I want to give you a blessing. I don't know if he's an atheist or whatever. He doesn't, he doesn't talk. He comes out of an operation and, and he doesn't talk. You can say, like, how did everything go? And he's like, talk to my team. <laughs> good. Everything's good. But he is the best. He is the best there is. So he's like, very full. Like he's, so I said, I want to give you a blessing. And my blessing to you is that your hands should never shake. And God should give you a very long and healthy life because of all the children that you're saving. And he said, thank you. But he's a Taif Shibaraifim. He's not saying Hashem gave me these hands that you could work on such a little teeny heart. He's thinking, you know who I am? I'm Dr. Q. So the Gemara says that Taif Shibaraifim, the superstar doctors, are going to end up in Gehenna because they're going to be atheists. Because they don't want to give credit to Akash Baruch Hu. So yeah, the big physicist who has 185 IQ and he's, and he's genius, he's going to write that there's a God that gave him that brain that made him a genius so he doesn't get any credit. So what's the big deal? No, you know who I am? I made myself who I am. And that's the nister. What's the connection? Why am I telling you this? That's the nister. The nister in the whole, what's coming up in the whole Purim, to understand that if, if God does miracles, to understand that he's God, you know, if I tell you it's sunny outside and it's sunny outside, and you believe me, that's not a Muna. But if I tell you right now in the middle of the night it's sunny outside and you believe me, right? That's a Muna. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does Nisim Nigli, in which he did, did in, in Nisan, right? The reason that Ador Sheni, we're in Ador Rishon. The reason that Purim really should be in Ador Rishon. Purim should be in Ador Rishon. The reason that Purim gets pushed to Ador Sheni is because, because Nisan and, and Purim and Pesach have to be next to each other. Why? Because the real greatness of recognizing God is when it's hidden. If I tell you it's sunny and it's sunny and you believe me, you don't believe me. If I tell you it's sunny and it's in the middle of the night and you believe me, that means that you recognize, you, you actually believe in me. So, so the, the, the whole miracle of, of Purim, and this is what I told this boy, guy, man, 
But he's off. I, I didn't. I did. I did. I, listen, I didn't. I, I didn't get anywhere. I don't know. Maybe he'll change, but I didn't get anywhere. One of the first guys. He just. He just wants to party with girls. He goes to girls, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and and he doesn't want to go back to the world where he has the responsibility. So if you live in a random world. There's no responsibility. Everything just bangs into each other. Stuff happens. My sheer from last night is called randomness. This stuff happens. If stuff happens, you don't owe anybody. You don't owe anything. But the greatness. And this is how I ended my discussion with him, and this is why I'm telling you this. The greatness of Purim is that it looks like it's random. If you read the story, and maybe we'll do it next week, I'll take you out of the story that you're used to and read you the real Persian. They wrote it down, the story in Persia, what happened. If you read the Persian story, there's no miracles. It's a regular Caesar by Shakespeare, his best friends around him, killed him, this and that. You, you'll see that it's just a, a Persian empire, assassins, jealousy, lovers, all kinds of different stuff, like a movie, like a, like a good novel. It, it, there's no Hashem. There's no miracles. There's no miracle in, in the book of Esther. There's no miracle. No one just dropped dead. No one, no, I, there wasn't a, an ocean splitting in two. There's no miracle. There's no miracle. Haman. Right, he, Achshar thought he was taking over. He wanted to kill it. So it, the whole story, if you look at it, right. So the the greatest level that a person can get on is to realize that nothing is random when God is hidden. In other words, the story looks like random. It just happened. It, does, it doesn't look like. And we'll show you, show you the Nisan behind the scenes. When you look at life, right, and it's just understanding that you get up in the morning and you open your eyes. Understand that you're able to eat something and it gets digested and it goes, and then you end up getting rid of it and you take out the good of it and you take out the bad of it. You're like a crazy factory. Every person's human body is a crazy factory. You don't see Hashem. That's where the nister is. And where the nister is to realize that nothing is random. That you, that, that if you, if you, if your finger hurts you, if any little thing in life, everything in life, nothing is random. The godless is to see that in Adar. You can't have a Nisan where, where things are gluyum and get credit for it. Big deal. So you split the yam. Of course, of course I, I love you, Hashem. Look what you did for me, right? It's the things that we don't see. We celebrate this month, we celebrate the things that we don't see. So every morning, maybe we should celebrate something that you don't see, something you take for granted. That you can see, that you can hear, that you can smell, that you can taste, that you can walk, that you can talk. Go to a hospital, look at the people in bed, right? And you can do all this. The stuff that looks like it's random. Yeah, everybody gets up, Rabbi Wallstein. Everybody eats. Everybody can go to the bathroom. That's what, that's the world that this guy comes from. Just the opposite. Ador, what it stands for, is just the opposite. Ador stands for that what you think is random, what you think, which is hidden, I am in every little thing. Hashgacha pratis. Akashbokhu says, I am watching everything. So girls, when you're in pain, there's a reason. When you're happy, there's a reason. There's Gilgal, there's Tikkun, we're back, we have to fix. There's Mashiach, there's Deirah, there's, there's so much stuff going on. And to live a life knowing that, and to be a person who's modest, and to be a person who's willing to give their life to Klai Yisrael, that is Malchus. That's the malchus 
that every woman in this room can have. That's the Malchus. That Esther and Malka have this picture in my head of this human being standing in the next world in the inner chamber of God and shaking. And shaking is he going to put the scepter out. This little girl, this little girl standing there in the other world. And of course, Bahu, God is sitting on his Kisya cover and she's standing there and she wants to save the Jewish nation and she doesn't know if, if she deserves it because maybe they deserve to die and I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up dying with them. And of course, Bahu looks at this girl and, 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 and in my head I see every one of you and I see every girl in the world, the girls that didn't give their earrings to, 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 to avoid the Zara, standing there, every girl standing there, little girl, like, Hashem, could you, could you save us? And of course, Baruch Hu finding Chain in this woman, this, this woman, not Mordechai, in this woman, and Hashem saying, you? What do you want? What do you need? It's yours. Wow. Crazy. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling that a person has that Kayach. Esther and Malka did it. Everyone else can do it. On your level. Everybody can do it. You just have to be ready to be Moise Nefesh. You know what Moise Nefesh is? Yeah, Moise Nefesh means giving up the stuff sometimes that's just not good for you. That's Moise Nefesh. You don't have to die. Hashem doesn't want anyone in this room to die for Him. It takes one second to die for God. It takes a lifetime to live for God. It's much harder to live for God than to die for God. We're not suicidal. We're not ISIS. It's not what we do. Just the opposite. So, that's why it's called Megillah's Esther. And my bracha to everyone here is that you should taka continue in the ways of the women, in the ways of the women of, of, of what happened in, in the midbar. You know what? Mashiach's coming. Everyone's worried. This one's going to die. That one's going to die. This one's going to die. We don't know. We don't understand. We don't know what's going to be. There's so many different mafarshim. But you see that the women of the Dar Hamidbar, which was a very tough generation, they stood tough. They didn't give their husbands the gold. They ran to the Mishkan to build it first. They stood tough, and they were rewarded that they went into Eretz Yisrael. So if you stand tough, my bracha to everyone is, if you stand tough, you don't have anything to worry about when Shiach comes. Nashim Tzikanias are going to bring Mashiach. And I told you, the reason that guys don't complain, every time I say it, I said it in Waterbury this week. And, and I said it last night, I, and to the guys, I'm like, they never complain. I tell them all the time, you know what guys? With your, with your, with your tefillin and your tzitzis and your fasting and your minyanim and your daf yoimi and your rishonim and all your achwainim. You know what? The Gemara says, the women are going to bring Mashiach. That's what it says. Gemara says that. Not, not me. Rabbi Wallstein is not bringing Mashiach. You girls, you ladies, Chikamara, can't argue with it. You took us out of Mitzrayim, you're going to take us out of this colors. And they never complain. You know, guys, we're like, well, guys, we're like, excuse me, my sister is going to bring Mashiach? I'm like, come on. She doesn't learn. I'm in Kyle. Like, you know, kogel, potato kogel, a good piece of cake. Like, she bakes, whatever. My sister, my mother, come on. Right? The Gemara says, and they don't ever complain. So I said to the guys, I said, how come it doesn't bother you? It's a thing that would bother a guy. You come over to me and say, Wallstein, you know, all your stuff, eh, you're not bringing Mashiach. Malky Friedman over here, she's bringing Mashiach. I'm like, hey, you know, we're both bringing Mashiach. No! Gemara says, no! She's bringing Mashiach. So I said, boys, 
How come it doesn't bother you? So the guy gets up, he goes, Rebbe, is Mashiach here? I'm like, I'm like, no. <laughs> you know why? It's their fault. <laughs> That's why they don't complain about it. So you got to stop that. The next year, Wednesday night, Wallstein's going to get up and say, Mashiach's here. You know why? It's their fault. Have a good week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.